Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. I'm sorry. He uh, he thinks you're Santa Claus. <laughs> I am. Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Merry Christmas. Right now, throw it out. Bring it up. Right up high and down she comes. <laughs> Just in the wrist, you see. It's really quite simple, you know, when you get the knack of it. Now then, why don't you... <coughs> okay, Pops, come on. It's my turn. Now, uh, give me the whip. Now, what have you just been drinking? Well, I just had a little something to keep me warm. Now, give me the whip. You are intoxicated, sir. Yeah, and you are a pain in the butt. Now, Let give me, me that Let me tell whip. you something. You are a disgrace. Come on. Okay, now, set it in here. <laughs> projects for C.F. Cole's department store. That's my pleasure. As a matter of fact, I was looking for you a few moments ago. There's no doubt you saw your Santa Claus is inebriated. I know. He has created such a terrible problem. I mean, millions of children are watching here and on television, and they're expecting to see Santa Claus, and, well, right now we don't have one. That is a terrible problem. Would you do it? Would you be our Santa Claus? Me? Well, do you have any experience? Oh, just a little. Great. Well, I'm sure you'll be fine. Well, isn't there someone else that you Sir, could ask? Her? The parade has started already. It's you right now, or else there is no Santa in the Coles Thanksgiving Day Parade. Well, uh, might I perhaps have a moment to think about it? Don't worry about a thing. Just. Be yourself. Now, Dasha, now, Dasha, now, Prancer and Vixen, now, Comet, now, Cupid, now, Dunder and Blitzen! Merry Christmas! How is everybody this morning? A few of you are good. Are the rest of you sleeping? Merry Christmas! 
Hey, you gotta talk back to me this morning. For those of you who are here for the first time, again, welcome. My name is Megan, my husband Carrie and I are the pastors here at the Movement Church, and we're just so excited you're here. It is the most wonderful time of the year. I don't know if you feel that way or not, but I love Christmas. And so as you were coming in, hopefully you saw kids getting pictures with Santa Claus. Maybe you took pictures with Santa. I did. I figured this is like the one time I can go take a picture with Santa Claus and not have to do it in the middle of the mall. Like, this is amazing. So hopefully you're going to do that as you leave today. We just want to celebrate this season with you because church really is family. And, and so we're so honored that you're here today. You are here for the second week of our Christmas at the Movies series. And we're exploring biblical truths that we pull out of some classic Christmas movies. And so today we're going to be looking at Miracle on 34th Street. And if you have never seen this, how many of you, just by show of hands, how many of you have never seen Miracle on 34th Street? Raise your hand. I'm judging you harshly right now. <laughs> Your assignment for this Christmas season is to watch Miracle on 34th Street. It's an amazing movie, and you're only going to get to see clips of it today. But I think you're going to fall in love and want to go home and watch it anyway. So we're going to be pulling some truths from this movie, and I'm excited to share with you today because I feel like it's not by accident you're here, that God has something specifically for each and every one of us today. And so as we dove into this first clip of Miracle on 34th Street, you got to meet Chris Kringle, Santa Claus. And, and we find that the Coles Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day Parade is about to take place. And you got to meet Mrs. Walker, who runs the Coles Thanksgiving Day Parade. In fact, she is the publicist for Coles. She is the make-everything-happen kind of girl. And what you don't see yet in this movie is that Kohl's department store is kind of facing some problems right now. So she has got to make this work. This Thanksgiving Day Parade has got to be amazing because the department store is not sure if they're going to make it. And so she's feeling the pressure. So when the first Santa Claus is intoxicated, she goes chasing down Kris Kringle and asks him to come and be their Santa Claus. But what she does not realize is that she actually has the real Santa Claus on her hands. And I just wonder if some of us today could identify with this. Bear with me. I wonder if you were to ask yourself, is my belief system working? What would your answer be? Is my belief system working? You see, Mrs. Walker, I think she was working extremely hard at something that was hardly working. And I wonder if sometimes we allow that to happen with our faith. Maybe you're here today for the first time and, and somebody dragged you to church and you don't even know where you stand in your faith and that's okay. Permission to belong before you believe. All I'd ask is that today you just open up your heart and say, God, what might you want to say to me? Maybe you're here today and you've been coming consistently for a while. Maybe you serve on the dream team. And I just want to ask you, is your belief system working? What I mean is, is it more than just walking through the doors on a Sunday morning, singing a few songs, listening to a good message? When you walk out of those doors, does your belief system work? Do you encounter the transformational power of God in your everyday life? Is your belief system working? I know last week, Pastor Kerry shared a quote with you from one of our, our favorite preachers who we just love, and, and he talked about how I'm afraid as a church, we sometimes reduce Jesus to just enough Jesus to get by, but not enough to experience life transformation. I think he re referred to it like the flu shot. We go and we get a flu shot with just a little bit of the flu, enough to make us immune to the rest of the flu season. And I wonder if sometimes as a church, that's how we handle Jesus. You know, Mrs. Walker didn't realize that she had something amazing on her hands. She was striving in her own strength with everything she could do, with everything she could produce to make this parade awesome. But what she didn't realize was that she had the real Santa Claus. And I wonder if sometimes as a church, we strive in our own strength to make things happen. And we forget that we have a God who wants to move powerfully on our behalf. Let's check out this next clip and meet some more characters. We're going to meet Mrs. Walker's daughter, Susan, 
and we're going to meet her neighbor, Mr. Bedford. His name is Brian. He kind of likes Susan's mom. And, and you're going to find that Susan is a very well-educated little girl. Let's check this out. Do you know how much it costs to make this parade? Uh, a million dollars. Two million dollars? 1.6. And it's probably a big mistake because some guy's gonna buy Kohl's and turn it into a junk store. That's not gonna happen. Two big banks just came in and they rescued Kohl's, so you better check your sources. But Kohl's has to pay them back plus interest. If they don't sell a lot of stuff at Christmas, you can forget about it, pal. <laughs> Well, I think you should ask Santa Claus to give Coles an interest-free loan for Christmas. What do you think about that? <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, you know what? It might happen. I mean, Santa Claus, he does some pretty amazing things. Brian, you know what? I know. Know what? The secret. What secret? Santa Claus. I've known for a long time. He's not real. Says who? My mom. Seems like a pretty pointless exercise, Brian. I know, but I just thought as long as we were here, might as well stop by and say hello to the old guy. Look at him. Why? Well, let's just say for the sake of argument that there is a Santa Claus. And that you don't believe in him. Is it worth the risk that you might not get anything for Christmas this year? Well, I didn't believe in him last year, and I still got everything I asked my mother for. Yeah. You get a free candy cane? I'm trying to limit my intake of sugar. Uh-huh. You can go see Santa now. Hello, sir. Oh, how do you do? Would you like to come and sit on my knee? Good. Oh, there we are. Now then, what's your name? Susan Elizabeth Walker. Hmm? What's yours? Mine? <laughs> well, I have uh, lots of names. Uh, Chris Kringle, Santa Claus, Father Christmas, or Nicholas. If you were in Holland, I'd be Santa Claus. My mother's Mrs. Walker. She's director of special events for Coles. Uh-huh. She runs a parade. Oh. I know how this all works. You're an employee of Coles. That is true. But you're a very good Santa Claus. Thank you. Your beard's stuck on real tight. <laughs> Usually the store Santa Claus whiskers are too loose. Right. Yours look realistic. That's because they are real. You give them a tug. Woo! <laughs> are you convinced? <laughs> Good. This isn't the regular Santa suit, is it? Oh, no. This is the real Santa suit. It's very nice. Mm, I agree. It's lovely. Gold buttons, gold thread. It's as real as me. I love that scene. That little girl is too cute for words. But we get to meet Miss Susan, and Susan thinks she has everything figured out, doesn't she? I love how, how smart she is and the logic that she has for every situation she's in. And here we find Susan being introduced again to this idea of Santa Claus. And for her, she has every reason not to believe. For her, she has reduced it all to what I see, what I know, logic and reason tells me this. She tells Brian, as he takes her to stand in line, she goes, well, my mom buys me all my gifts. And he said, well, let's just say, for the sake of, you know, Christmas, what if? And she goes, well, I asked my mom for gifts last year and she got me everything I wanted. I mean, she has this figured out, doesn't she? And then she's sitting on Santa Claus's lap and she's being very professional, kind of keeping him at an arm's length. I don't know. Maybe some of us do that with God. And, and she says, I know how this all works. And I just wonder if sometimes we come to church with an idea of, I know how this all works. We come in, 
we sing some songs, we hear a message, we're inspired, we go back out, we live our everyday life. I just wonder if we have reduced God to our own box of what we can understand. And the problem is, any human attempt to try to make sense of God cannot help but minimize him. See, we, I think, want to neatly package God and make everything about him explainable until we decide what's not explainable is not plausible, and we miss out on what we could experience. We miss out on who he really is. I just wonder how many of us do this in our journey of faith. I wonder how often fear or doubt or our own logic keeps us from experiencing all that God wants to do in our lives. I wonder if we come to church on a Sunday morning. Earlier in first service, you guys missed this, but Pastor Kerry got up on the stage and was just, he was challenging us to be passionate about the presence of God. And for some of us, we come into church, and, and that doesn't really make sense. So we put our hands in our pocket, and we enjoy a great service, but we might miss out on the passion that's there. Like the kids who are so excited about Santa Claus that they're running and jumping, and, and they cannot wait to talk with him, right? I think sometimes we might miss experiencing the presence of God because we're just got to have everything together. Maybe we rely too much on our own strength, on what we do. And I just wonder if God wants to do something more in our lives. You know, I think God delights in nothing more than our choice to believe him over what we see and feel. And I know this because in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says this. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So what is that saying? It's saying without faith. What is faith? Faith is the ability to believe in what we cannot see. Faith is the ability to believe in what might not make sense. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must not only believe that he exists, but that he rewards those who seek him. I think that for us, unlike Susan, it's not so hard for us to believe that God exists. I think people all over the world would tell you, I believe in God. But do we believe him? Do we believe that what his word says is true? Do we believe that he loves us and that he wants to give good things to his children like this scripture says he rewards those who seek him? Do we believe him? You know, in this next clip, we're going to see Susan really wrestling through her belief because some things have come up that have started to make her wonder, could there be something more? Let's check this out. What are you doing out of bed? Something's driving me crazy and I can't sleep. Well, what's on your mind? Santa Claus. Mr. Kringle, why? What about him? He taught sign language with a kid today. Well, that was considerate of him. It's weird how he knows so much about toys and kids. Mm. He speaks Russian and Swahili. Well, he must be quite a learned man. He looks exactly like every picture of Santa Claus I ever saw. Yes, I know. That's why I chose him. You're positive he's not the real Santa Claus? I thought that we talked about this. You understand what he is. What if we're wrong? That would be extremely rude. <laughs> well, we're not wrong, sweetheart. And believing in myths and fantasies just makes you unhappy. Did you believe in Santa Claus when you were my age? Yes. Were you unhappy? Well, when all the things that I believed in turned out not to be true, yes, I was unhappy. Isn't that interesting? You see, in this clip, we find Susan, and she's just encountered something that is making her question, 
Should I believe? She watched Santa Claus speak in sign language with a little child that, that was deaf, and she thought, how could, how could a store Santa know how to speak in sign language? And then, and then she heard him speak in all these different languages, and, and so something inside of her desperately wants to believe. And I wonder how many of us have had moments in our life where we've encountered something miraculous, where that's just like, wow, blow your mind. That's incredible. But we've immediately summed it up with it was just coincidence or it was just luck. Or like Susan's mom said, well, he's a very learned man. I wonder how many times we try to make sense of the miraculous with logic and reason. I wonder how many times you've done this. I wonder if it's been done to you. I wonder if maybe something miraculous has happened in your life, but somebody in your world has just said, you know, that was just probably coincidence. Or if you look at it like this, you could probably figure it out. How often do we try to reduce God to our own logic and reason, to what we can understand? How often do we put him in a box of our own doubt and our own fear? I think in this scene, we're seeing that Susan desperately wants to believe, and I think we all desperately want to believe. But it's easier to have a logical explanation because then we won't have to conjure up enough faith for next time. If we can just explain it, we won't have to have enough faith to believe for it. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is not seeing. Faith is believing. But I think sometimes what contributes to our unbelief is this disappointment that we experience. It seems to me like Susan's mom, Mrs. Walker, has been greatly disappointed. When Susan says, Mom, did you believe in Santa Claus when you were little? And she says, well, I did. And she said, well, were you unhappy? And her answer was, when all the things I believed in turned out to not be real, yes, I was unhappy. And I think for you and for me, oftentimes the things we're praying for and believing for, when we haven't seen it happen, in the time frame that we would like for it to happen to, we begin to question the authenticity of what God says. Because that disappointment leads to unbelief. And then we stop praying and we stop believing for the things that we long ago prayed for. Because we just don't want to be disappointed again. I don't know about you, I've shared this in our church so many times, but I've experienced this. When my dad was sick with cancer, he had the rarest form of cancer. 30 people in the entire world had had it. And we were praying and believing for healing in his body. Why? Because we know that that's God's plan for us, is to have health in our bodies and life in our bones. And we prayed and we believed for three years for a miracle. And my dad passed away. And unbelief started to settle in. My faith was at stake. But then I began to see God reveal the miraculous in my life through a story of peace that passes understanding. When you can't imagine how to have peace, I experience peace because of the presence of God. God began to show me the miraculous in a form of his grace that was enough strength when I had no strength of my own. God began to give me words to say, to experience, and to help people who are walking through an experience of loss because I had walked through it myself. You see, God took that situation and created a miracle, but I could have easily missed it. I think so many times we find ourselves disappointed and it causes us not to believe. And the problem is, the less faith we have, the more we tend to resent the concept. You know, Susan's mom, she's struggling with her faith. And so she's getting frustrated about even the idea, even talking about the possibilities that this man could be Santa Claus. We're going to take a look at this next clip, and Santa Claus confronts Mrs. Walker about her lack of faith. I must confess, I don't quite know why they're making such a fuss about me. This is the holiday season, and you're Santa Claus, right? To many, yes, but to others I'm just an old man with a white beard. But you're still the symbol of the season. You think I'm a fraud, don't you? I think fraud is a bit too strong of a word. But you don't believe in me. I believe that Christmas is for children. Well, your daughter doesn't believe in me either. 
I don't think that there's any harm in not believing in a figure that many do acknowledge to be a fiction. Oh, but there is. I'm not just a whimsical figure who uh, wears a charming suit and affects a jolly demeanor. If you can't believe, if you can't accept anything on faith, then you're doomed for a life dominated by doubt. If you can't accept anything by faith, you're doomed for a life dominated by doubt. What a powerful statement right there. The toughest battles that we will face in our life concern matters of our faith. The toughest battles that you and I will ever walk through in our life concern matters of our faith. It's our faith. Remember that verse, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And our faith is the thing that keeps us believing, keeps us hoping, keeps us trusting. But it's the times when we think that God's word and his ways won't work for us. When we feel like he's abandoned us or let us down or failed to come through for us. See, I think the enemy will do anything he can to set us up to minimize our faith, and to increase our doubt. I love that statement that was right there. If you can't accept anything by faith, you're doomed for a life dominated by doubt. I think the enemy's greatest goal, and listen, when we talk about an enemy, we can do that in church because just as much as we serve a real God in heaven, there is a real devil who does not want for you to experience all that God has for you doesn't want for you to accomplish the purpose that God created you for. And he's strategically coming against you in every single way that he can. And I find that the devil's most crafty scheme is to bring doubt. Why? Because it causes our faith to decrease. You know, in Ephesians 6, it tells us as a Christian that we can put on the armor of God because this life that we're living is actually a battle that we're fighting, right? We may not see the battle around us, but it's happening. So the scripture gives us some instruction on how to put on the armor of God. It says we put on the breastplate of righteousness. Why? To guard our hearts and help us make good choices. We put on the belt of truth. Why? Because truth holds everything together. We're going to know the truth. We're going to speak the truth. We put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Why? So that we can walk in peace and tell people the good news about Jesus. We put on the helmet of salvation to renew our minds so we can think like Jesus. And the next portion says we take up the shield of faith. Why? To fight the fiery darts of the enemy. You see, I think the enemy is coming after you and me all day long, every single day. And we have a shield of, what's it called? Faith. The shield that protects us from the attack of the enemy is actually the shield of our faith. So what do you think the enemy's greatest strategy is going to be in your life but to cause you to weaken your faith and put down your shield? Because he knows that if you put down the shield of faith, Faith is believing in what you cannot see, trusting in what you cannot see. When you lower the shield of faith, you are subject for all of the enemy's attack, and he can take you out. So what does the enemy come after most? Our faith. He brings doubt. It's that voice that you hear that says, did God really say that? Do you really think God will do that? Well, maybe for them, but not for you. It's not an obvious attack. It's a strategic attack at your faith, coming in with a voice of doubt. Later in this movie, you see that the competing department store hires a man to go in and create doubt about Kris Kringle. And he goes into the department store and he whispers things like, he's a fraud. He's a fake. He can't do what he says he can do. And how many times do you and I hear those voices too? Maybe it's people in our lives that are questioning why we're walking out this journey with God anyway. Who is God really? Maybe it's people who cause doubt. It causes us to question what we believe. Maybe it's situations that are happening in our life that we're praying and believing for a miracle, but the voice of the enemy is going, do you really think God will do that? 
That doubt that is stirred up comes against our faith. And God wants us to increase our faith to believe not only that he is who he says he is, but he can do what he says he can do. So as we continue on in this movie, the thing that you're going to find, actually, I'm not going to continue on. I'm going to give you some scriptures here that you can stand on. Are you with me? How many of you are believing and praying for something, or maybe you stopped believing and praying for something because you just started to feel overwhelmed by doubt or disbelief? You don't have to raise your hand. Just think about it. I have some scriptures for you because the only way that we increase our faith, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the only way that we increase our faith and we lift up our shield is by knowing the word of God and believing the word of God. So some of you in this room are believing for some things and you need some faith to stand on. So I want to tell you, if you're here in this room and you're dealing with something and you're trying to believe, here's some scripture for you, this would be a good time to take notes. If you're single in this room and you've been praying for the right man or woman and you just feel discouraged, you feel like it's never going to happen, you feel like the hopes and dreams in your heart are just not being met, I want you to look at Psalm 37.4. And it says this in Psalm 37.4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. Maybe this isn't just for those of you who are single. Maybe this is for some of you who have a dream in your heart that you haven't seen actualized yet. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. That means not only is he capable of actualizing those things for you, that means that he probably put those desires in your heart in the first place. Psalm 113.9. Some of you in this room have been believing for and praying for children. And you just can't seem to get pregnant. And you've started to say, I don't know if I'm going to pray that prayer anymore because I just can't handle the disappointment. But Psalm 113.9 says, He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. That's a promise that we can stand on to increase our faith. At Christmas time, many times the, our financial situation is magnified in our face. There's people to buy gifts for. It's a crazy shopping season. And sometimes we're faced with the fact that we may just not have enough. But the scripture says that God is our provider. And Philippians 4.19 gives us faith. It says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God is capable of supplying every one of your needs. And some of you in this room are praying and you're believing for healing. Because you're facing a diagnosis or a sickness that has you bound up in fear. And the scripture tells us in Psalm 41.3, The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. But maybe it's hard to believe for that because it just hasn't happened yet. But we hang on to the promise of God. We believe not just that he is who he says he is, but that he can do what he says he can do. And it says that he nurses them when they're sick and he restores them to health. We can believe in a God who does the miraculous. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you have stopped praying for. I don't know what you have stopped believing for. But I believe that today God wants to reignite that faith inside of you to believe for the impossible to believe for the impossible. We're gonna jump into this next scene of the movie and, and the competing department store has done everything they can do to put Chris Kringle on trial, to cause doubt about what he says and who he is. It's not really about proving the existence of Santa. This trial is about putting Chris and his motives on trial and we're gonna find out what happens. Would it please the card if I gave you your Christmas card? I probably won't get another chance to see you. Unless I get arrested, which is very unlikely, since it's Christmas Eve and I'm going to bed uncharacteristically early. Uh, thank you very much, young lady. You're entirely welcome. And, uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. The young lady who just approached the bench presented me with this Christmas card and this. It's a $1 bill. It's going to be returned to her shortly. But by 
presenting me with this bill, she reminded me of the fact that it's issued by the Treasury of the United States of America. And it's backed by the government and the people of the United States of America. Upon inspection of the article, you will see the words, in God we trust. Federal government puts its trust in God. It does so on faith and faith alone. It's the will of the people that guides the government. And it is and was their collective faith in a greater being that gave and gives cause to the inscription on this bill. Now, if the government of the United States can issue its currency bearing a declaration of trust in God without demanding physical evidence of the existence or the non-existence of a greater being, then the state of New York, by a similar demonstration of the collective faith of its people, can accept and acknowledge that Santa Claus does exist, and he exists in the person of Chris Pringle. Case dismissed. I love this. I love that this case was settled on faith and faith alone. Psalm 100, verse 3 says this, Know that the Lord is God. Know that the Lord is God. What does that mean? That means don't just think it, know it. To know it means to believe it, to trust it. But beyond just knowing that he is God, you got to know that he can do what he says he can do. That he is a faithful God. There's a quote that I just read in a book I'm reading called Believing God. And it says this, we must cease to accept the visible as the possible and start believing what God says over what man sees. What does that mean? We've got to stop trying to figure out everything about God, to put him into a box of our own logic and reason, and if it doesn't fit in there, it doesn't make sense. We've got to stop just accepting what we see. We've got to start believing what we cannot see, to believe what God says over what we see. And listen, I'm telling you, some of you have some situations going on in your world where you've got to begin to believe what God says, not just the circumstance that you're facing. Some of you not only need to begin believing it, but you need to begin declaring the fact that you believe it. I know I might feel like God's not going to come through, but he is going to come through. God is for me, not against me. God is with me. At Christmas time, we celebrate Emmanuel, which means God with us. So no matter how alone or deserted you might feel, God is with you. The scripture says he'll never leave you or forsake you. So we've got to begin to believe what God says over what we see. We're going to take this last scene from the movie, and we're going to look at a scene that shows us Susan. And what you didn't see is that she decided she was going to test her belief. So she asked Chris Kringle for the most impossible thing she could think of. She asked Chris, she said, if you're real, then this is what I want you to do for me for Christmas. And she asked him for something big, something impossible. And I want to give you an opportunity to see what happened. I don't care what you asked Mr. Kringle for. Susan, that is not why we're going to the we're house. We're going to the catalog house, right? That's the house I told him I wanted. I showed him a picture of it, and he took it, and he said he would get it for me. Well, the house is a pretty big gift, Susan. That's what Mr. Kringle said. Honey, <laughs> we are going to the house because it snowed. And it's very pretty. And because Mr. Shellhammer wants to take photographs for next year's Christmas catalog. Which, I think, is awfully bold of him. It is a holiday. That's just an excuse. Mr. Kringle did all this. I'm very sorry, Mother. You have it perfectly wrong. everybody you got a bonus what do you mean our names are on the mailbox i got a call last night from mr kringle who said you and your husband were looking for a house he was quite insistent 
get married? Uh, yeah, last night. I can't believe it. Congratulations. Was this planned? Uh, no. I can't believe it. Uh, Mr. Kringle wanted to be here, but uh, he's overseas. Mr. Kringle. This is the house I asked Chris for, and he got it for me. And he got me a dad. And the third thing, I guess I'll just have to wait for it. But he'll get it for me, won't he? If Chris said he'd get you something, I bet it's already on the way. I guess there's no doubt about it. He's real. I'm going up to look at my new room. Excuse me. Susan? What? What else did you ask Mr. Kringle for? A baby brother. See ya! I love the end to this movie. I just want to encourage you. If what you need or you desperately desire aligns with the word of God, then don't let anyone tell you that it's not possible. Don't let anyone cause you to waver in your faith. Don't allow past disappointments to play as a soundtrack of doubt in your mind any longer. God is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. You know, we're not here to talk about the existence of Santa Claus, but we are here to talk about a real God who loves us. And the scripture says he loves to give good gifts to his children, that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And I just, I can't help but believe that God wants to do the miraculous in our lives. I think we limit him with our own doubt, with our own fears. I think God wants to do the miraculous in this season of our church. I believe that there's people all over Orange County, us included, who are in need of miracles. And we need more than just the kind of faith where we believe in God. We need to believe God. We need to believe that he is capable of moving on our behalf that he hears our prayers. I love that Susan in this, some of the things she asked Santa for, they happened right away. When she had the faith to believe, they, they happened. But then she said, I guess that I might have to wait for that one. And I think there's sometimes some promises of God that we have to wait for. And I don't know why. I don't know why some miracles are instantaneous and some require a wait. But I do know that in the waiting season, that God expands our expectation. If we'll keep our eyes focused on him, if we'll wait for him like you wait for that Amazon delivery at Christmas time, knowing it's coming, you can't wait for it to get there. If you'll wait for God, like you wait for the chocolate chip cookies baking in the oven that always take longer to cook than you think they're going to, but you know they're coming. If you'll wait for him, like that amazing scene in the movie when you're watching with your friends and you say, wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? You know it's coming. We wait with a joyful expectation. Why? Because we can trust not only that God is who he says he is, but he can do what he says he can do. Isaiah 9, 6 says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. This is why we celebrate Christmas, you guys. To remind us of the promise. And it says his name. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Listen, that word wonderful means full of wonder. I think God wants us to encounter his wonder miracles. I think God wants us to believe for things that we have never seen yet. Why? Because he's full of wonder. Wonderful counselor. 
mighty God. What does that mean? That means a God who is capable of moving mountains. That means a God who can do the impossible. That means a God who wants to act on your behalf. Everlasting Father. Maybe you didn't experience the love of an earthly father, but I'm telling you, you have a heavenly father who loves you more than you could even comprehend. And a heavenly father that wants to give good gifts to his children, that loves you, wants to protect you, wants to show you the utmost of care, and the prince of peace. What does that mean? Our God, who is with us, is the Prince of Peace. No matter what we face or walk through, no matter what prayers we're having to pray and contend for, no matter what circumstances say, our God is a Prince of Peace, which means in the midst of chaos, in the midst of struggle, when doubt is trying to lower our faith, He will give us peace. The scripture says that when we fix our eyes on Him, He'll keep us at perfect peace. One last scripture for you, Psalm 77, 14. This just declares it. You are the awesome God who works powerful wonders. What have you stopped believing for? What have you stopped praying for? Because you don't want to be disappointed? Could we begin to let God increase our faith and help us to believe again? You know, we're coming up on a brand new year, 2017, and we get to roll in the first day of 2017, January 1st, here at church. It's on a Sunday this year, and I couldn't be more excited because I can't think of any place I'd rather be than in the house of God, planting my feet and saying, God, what do you want to do in my life this year? So we're having one service as an entire church. We're all coming together at 11 o'clock a.m. And we're going to pray and believe that God is going to do the miraculous in our life this year. I don't want just the mundane, and you don't either. We want to see God do the miraculous. So I want to challenge you. What does God want you to start believing for? What does God want you to start believing for again? Where the enemy has tried to rob you of your faith. Today is the day God wants to restore to you a belief that he is who he says he is. And he can do what he says he will do. Can I pray for you? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? God, for every man, woman, teenager, child in this room today. God, I thank you it's not by accident that anyone is here. God, I thank you that it's not the words that I speak, but God, the words that you speak straight into our heart. And today, God, I'm asking you for a miracle. God, I'm asking you for a miracle. And I'm believing right now, Jesus, for every person that is in this room. God, I ask that you will give them some kind of a visible sign that you are moving on their behalf. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you will help them to know that they are on the right track. That God, in the next week, month, and years, God, that you will begin to show them that you are who you say you are and you can do what you say you can do. God, I pray that you increase our faith to believe for the miraculous, not to allow fear or doubt to hold us back any longer, but God, to trust that you want to move on our behalf. So God, for those believing for healing in their bodies right now in Jesus' name, God, would you do what only you can do? Would you bring healing? For those believing for restored relationships, God, the pieces that are so broken, God, would you begin to bring healing and breathe life back into those relationships again? God, for the people in this room who are struggling, who are facing overwhelming circumstances, God, would you just increase their hope would you begin to bring solutions, God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Amen. Hey, can I talk to those of you in the room for just one moment, and then we'll close. Maybe you came today not really knowing what to expect. Or maybe you've actually just been wrestling with your own faith. Do I believe in God? And I just got to tell you, I don't think it's coincidence that you're here today. I think God strategically orchestrated your path. Why? Because he's got so much that he wants to do in your life. And maybe you feel like there's been a separation between you and God, and that makes sense because the Bible calls that a sin gap. Sin separates us from God. And the problem is, is that that was an irreparable situation. But God had a solution. God sent his son Jesus why we celebrate Christmas. He sent his son Jesus, who walked on this earth, living a perfect life, and he gave his life on a cross as the ultimate sacrifice for your sin and for my sin. He paid the price for you and for me so that we can have relationship with God. And maybe you've never started a relationship with God. Today is your day. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and I'm just going to ask in your own seat, in your own heart, if that's you and you need to start a relationship with God for the first time, or maybe for some of you, the first time in a long time, would you just pray with me? You don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to stand up. Let this be between you and God. But I believe he wants to start a relationship with you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes one last time? you need to pray that prayer, that prayer of faith, that prayer of belief, would you just pray these words in your own heart? Dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for my sin. I ask you, God, to forgive me and to help set me on course. Today, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.